On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group dives into the mailbag, talks concerts, and whatever else is on our smorgasbord of the evening. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair and on this episode of Progressive Palaver I'm joined by my very good friends Ken Gregory and Paul Zotter as we dive into the Palaver mailbag for late delivery, talk about some recent concerts, and a general smorgasbord of what we've been doing. We are diverse. We are diverse. Gentlemen, welcome to this evening's palaver, a very relaxed, dare I say, freeform palaver. So as mentioned in the introduction, we've got a couple different things to talk about. First of all, we have not done a palaver mailbag in literally a calendar year. The last time Paul and I did one of these was September of 2020. Now, that may seem like a really long time, but as we were discussing before we got on air, 2021 has been very interesting for all of us in various ways that ultimately manifested itself in our almost three-month summer complete hiatus where we did nothing. We didn't record anything. We didn't release anything. <laughs> we just, we all had to sort of catch up with, with what we were doing. And coming out of the summer... You know, I've certainly equilibrated a little bit. So we've started, you know, doing all the things that we do. And the reason I bring that up is because as a result of that, you know, we weren't really as engaged, I think, with the with our podcast audience as we have been. And so the the mailbag of that portion is is a little bit light, but we do have some things that I think we want to to get into and and hopefully talk about. And then recently, uh, as recent as last week, I think, Ken, you had the opportunity to see King Crimson live. And, Damn right. And then, Paul, you actually went to a show the night after that. Indeed, I did. My morning jacket. Your my morning jacket. And, and then, obviously, you had, when we were talking about this episode, the idea was we could talk about other things that we were listening to as well. So, you know, kind of a, a, a free-for-all. And, you know, maybe I personally would like to maybe start off with the concert portion of this because I've been dying to hear about these shows. Well, yeah. Um, it's nice to get out. I have some level of comfort indoor these days but i prefer the outdoor shows and the man center for performing arts has been really an oldie but a goodie paul did you make it to the man in high school or joe did you make it to the man in high school for any reason yes i did yeah it's funny you should bring that up until uh, uh last wednesday uh, the last the only show i had ever seen at the man was steve winwood's roll with it tour which had to been what like 90 1990 89 probably yeah yeah 
long time ago. Wow. I bet that was good. <laughs> it, it, it was good. Except <laughs> Oh no. I think I think he started playing what what was his uh like former Back in the Highlight? Was or? like no, he played in like traffic or something like yeah, that, yeah, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. yeah. So he started playing traffic songs and I was like, why the fuck is he playing this? Like, <laughs> oh no. Like, That's the good stuff. You <laughs> I had no idea. Oh. I, I was like 19. I didn't know. Right, right, right. Okay. Anyway, um, I, I remember, you know, with, with our bandmate Dan going to uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash uh, at the man. Um, that wow. may have been my first time. And that is just an exquisite space for that style. Um, yeah. So I had never been close up at the man. I had always, as a, as a uh, frugal high school student or a frugal college student, been in the lawn on a blanket with mosquitoes. And then I graduated to the seats and I saw Emerson Lake and Palmer do a reunion there in the early 90s. And... Um, return to forever had a reunion there with Dweezil Zappa opening up and um, I believe I even saw Cake there so, Cake? so wow. lots, nice. lots of lots of good music at the man through the years and uh, it's on my running route so I, I, I can look off to the side on one of my one of my longer runs and see it over there I was I had a hankering to go back. It was it was eating at me, and I and I saw the the uh, Crimson reviews, and I just could not resist. From Florida to California, they were just jumping, and I I grabbed some really good tickets. Uh, my Drexel buddy Chris, who played uh, keyboards for us back in the day, Paul was was more than willing to uh, drive yeah. in. Nice and and yeah yeah it, it was it was really fantastic uh, at a distance I saw a friend of the Palaver Jay Davidson um, he's got an in with the guy from Zappa Band who opened up there cool uh, they, they they were they were really incredible and and I hate to say it but I'm partial to the Dweezil operation because I've seen it twice and you know what you know you know. I mean, I guess if I saw Audrey Chumley's band first, that would have been my impression of Zappa. But I just mm. happened to see Dweezil twice. And that's, you know, my definition for, for, for Zappa music. But, but seeing Robbie Martin and his crew was, was pretty inspiring. Uh, and it's, it's not your classic prog. It's not your main staple meatloaf and potatoes prog. But it's still prog. It still fits in that world and still gives me enough to listen to without getting bored. An amazing band, Mike Keneally, uh, the guitarist. So instead of seeing Frank himself, Noodle on the Neck, or Dweezil, uh, it was Keneally. But I mean, every guy in that band was just fantastic. There are three people taking guitar solos or melodies at various points, including the singer Ray White, who just blew us away. Then, then Crimson took the stage. I, I gotta say, the the live sound disappointed me. Uh, when I saw Crimson pre-COVID 2019 at the Met in Philly, I was I was back near the soundboard, and it was just primo. It's an opera house that's been restored. the The walls absorb sound. It's it's just got like this nice resonance in some of the wood and metal around there. Um, it was a very pristine listening experience. 
This time we were at the equivalent of the 11th row and it was too damn close. It was 34 and a half percent effing kick drum. And I, I, <laughs> oh. I love, I love Pat Mostoletto, but, but Lord God, you know, I mean, it was just three kick drums between um, Jeremy, Stacy, Pat and, and, and Gavin Harrison. So, you know, it's just boom, boom, boom. I was like, it, yeah, if, if if it was Lars Ulrich, I would say maybe the mix should be thirty four point five percent kick drum. But King Crimson, dude, what? Who mixed this? I'm sorry if it's a friend of a friend of a friend. I am so sorry, but your mix was not good. It was just that was not it was not an orchestrated mix. It was like the 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 punk ass loud stuff that I don't really go for. And damn right, I'm allowed to say that because I'm 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 a veteran music theater mixer guy and i know it's possible to mix things that aren't rock and roll and you make compromises and whatever just just grow up all right musically incredible um the same exact personnel i already mentioned the drummers robert fripp himself jocko jakovic uh incredible um not only on vocals i mean i mean doing adrian Ballou, doing john wetton and uh help me out uh you know everyone who ever sang a note with uh crimson um he he just brings a lot of gusto into it and he's just a great guitar player and he has a lot of good sounds now he 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 did some stuff that was just monstrous with like an octaver on the guitar and some verb that was actually too loud in the mix so you know uh see previous paragraph um the thing about levin you know, just, just, just being a monster. He's, he's so awesome. Now I've, I've had the opportunity to see Levin at least three times in my life. And, and the only one that was perfect was Peter Gabriel in the nineties or there. Well, at the, at the Met, he was perfect. The mix was also perfect. So I would have seen him at least four times in my life, but what was the absolute, absolute worst time to see him? The spectrum for, um, Hey, um, maybe uh, uh, WH. Yeah, because oh. they didn't they, they didn't put him significantly in the mix, right? They, they kind of made him a an invisible presence, if you will, or just barely audible presence, something like that. And 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 they didn't let him operate with the crystal clear tone of a Chris Choir in that configuration. Um, and then and then the second worst time I saw Tony was this with the bass and the kick drum booming too much it was like a little bit too much tony and he had he had a lot of groovy pedals and some of the pedals just kind of made it worse um from my humble perspective and i i didn't wear earplugs i, I probably would have been a little bit better off with earplugs and um so uh yeah peter gabriel in the 90s king crimson at the met pre-covid perfect tony levin but I also had two shows in my life that were less than perfect, uh, Tony Levin. And uh, last but not least, the the wooden wooden guy is amazing, and I I, I forgot to pull up his name. Um, Flavor Research Department helped me out. Now the material for this awesome awesome King Crimson band is very similar to the 2019 pre-COVID material. Uh, thanks to Setlist FM, I can pull all this stuff right up. 
they always start with the Hellhounds of Krim. And K-R-I-M is probably just a take on C-R-I-M, Crimson. And Hellhounds echoes Cerberus, the three-headed dog. So the three drummers uh, have adopted this hound persona, and their opening track is the Hellhounds of Krim. That was consistent in both the 2019 and 2021 shows. They did mix it up enough. They, they did not just simply dish the same set upon us on, 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 on these two different tours, but I, I will highlight the, the songs that are, are, are mandatory King Crimson live material that you just cannot get away from. And that would be uh, Indiscipline. It's just a, a classic math rock song with bodacious guitar and incredible crunch and, and just deliciousness. It was, it was early. It was the end of the first set last time, and it was near uh, the end of the single set that I saw this time. Um, Starless is another one that mm. always appears near the end of the set. Absolutely amazing. And as you can guess... Court of the Crimson King will almost always be played in a King Crimson show. And possibly my favorite is Epitaph. Slightly ballad, but also explodes into a, a very proggy, loud experience. Things that, that, that pop up, Lark's Tongues and Aspic. Uh, before they played part four, this time they're playing either part one or part two. So they... They have very similar sets with a similar feel because this this ensemble needs material where the drums are relevant. Right. And I think they, they've really zeroed in on the awesomeness of the, the mm. King Crimson. Um, and I did dive into the netherworld of, I don't know, Facebook groups. And um, apparently, uh, I'm hearing third hand that... Um, Bill Bruford did see this lineup, and he he, he did compliment this lineup um, uh, at the oh at the Royal Albert Hall previously. Mm. So so not only is it three amazing drummers, it's three amazing drummers with the Bill Bruford stamp of effing approval. Can't beat that. Can't beat that. It, it's interesting because I had. I didn't see King Crimson when they came through Dallas in 2019, and I wished that I had. And when I saw that they were touring this year, I said I should go to that. But as luck would have it, they were in Dallas on a Friday night, which are, you know, nights with my kids. And so I did not have the ability to go. So... Had to pass on King Crimson again, so that's why I was so excited to hear that that you had seen them, Ken. I, th I find it interesting. You talk specifically about you know the the mix and the sound because I had a similar experience, and we've we've actually covered it here on the Palaver. The last two times I saw Tori Amos was very similar to your experience with King Crimson. Second to last time I saw her, I saw her at the Windspear Opera House in Dallas, which is a utter and utterly spectacular venue. It is beautiful. It sounds pristine. It was made for Tori Amos. The second, the, the last time that I saw her, 
in Dallas was at a new venue called the Toyota Music Factory, which is imagine, <laughs> imagine, you know, one of these outdoor amphitheaters, mm-hmm. but with garage doors. So you can close off the outside section if you need to, which is exactly what they did. And so you had Tori Amos just echoing around this big concrete and steel hole. Mm. It was terrible. Yeah. So, you know, and, and that's, not to, that's not to excuse the, the, the guy at the board for King Crimson, but, you know, there, there are certain, certain venues that are just naturally better than others, I think. Yeah, I'll just never pay that much money to be that close to a stage again when I know that in my heart of heart, I want to be back near the soundboard. Yeah, and it's funny how when you get older, right, and you de- you develop those preferences based on things that are different. Because when you're, you know, a teenager in your 20s or whatever, it's all about, you know, getting close and, and having that immediate experience. And for, for people like us, it's like, I would rather enjoy what I'm hearing and, you know, whatever. Man. Ken. Snobs. That's what you're saying, Joe. We're snobs. Uh, kind of, yeah. Ken, I, I, this- I, I like to think of it as discerning consumers. Oh. Discerning consumers. <laughs> and we're old. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Mr. Zotter. This was your this was your first like large concert event post 2020 pandemic. Yes. I mean, I don't I, I don't want to slight total mass retain because they were huge in spirit, you know, when we saw them. Uh, but, but first but, time around more than like 400, 500 people, right? Exactly. Yes. What, how, how was the vibe uh, overall for you there at the, at the man? Nobody challenged me to fisticuffs. That's a plus. What, what do you... <laughs> I mean, it, Good start. It, it, it was really chill at the man on a weeknight in September. Because you yeah. were there on a Tuesday, I guess, and I yeah. was there the next night on a Wednesday. Okay. Yes. Yes. And I imagine, come on, y- your crowd was pretty chill. I mean, I, my, my morning jacket, I mean, I imagine it, it crosses over with, uh, I don't know, Modest Mouse or a little bit of Prague or just a little yeah. bit of classic rock. I mean, it's, a, you know, it's got a wide appeal there. It, it, it is interesting. And Ken, as you are well aware, and Joe, as you may suspect, the legalization of marijuana in Pennsylvania has not yet carried over into the recreational department. It's simply ah, med- ah, medicinal. Ah, ah. However, that stipulation appears to be in suspension at the Man Music Center <laughs> and its parking facilities. Um, yeah, I think our local men in blue have better things to do. I, I think I think so. Thankfully, thankfully. Um, but I will, I will say, Ken, I believe you wore uh, your Total Mass Retain concert T-shirt to the event. Yes? Damn so, right. So I, I did as well because, you know, it just seemed like the right thing to do. <laughs> and um, I was commented twice by unsuspecting spectators about my shirt, one of, one of whom happened to be one of the security guards who accused me of being there two nights in a row wearing the same shirt, I can only assume that he meant you, which is shocking. (laughs) Which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because from the neck up, I mean, there's no confusing the two of us. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I, I frequently shave my entire head without taking my shirt off. So <laughs> <laughs> I found well, I found that quite funny because he stunned me by saying, didn't you wear that shirt last night? I was like, no, dude, I wasn't here last night. He was like, I'm pretty sure you were and you were wearing that shirt. And then when I saw your post on Facebook wear, wearing that shirt, um, I was like, wow, that's uh, that's what it is. That's pretty funny. So, Paul, did I see from the social media that you attended My Morning Jacket with friend of the palaver, one Mike Fuda? I did indeed. Awesome. In fact, yeah. And in fact, I, I was with Mike Fuda. I was with the captain, Heath Weber, who um, is a, a former member of the Cortlands and um, also one of the, the neighbors here, as well as Mike Zorzi, who... Um, is a listener of the palaver as well as a uh, neighbor here. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, my morning jacket, I have to say my morning jacket is one of those bands. I first discovered them at jazz fest in about 2012 when I was there and they played the, the uh, Gentilly stage and it was in the twilight of the day. They were the final act on, I think the, the Saturday that we were there, maybe the Friday. And I, had a like pretty much a out of body experience. I mean, I had been, I was, I was pretty toasted. I had been drinking pretty steadily all day and I was sitting in a, a lawn chair on the track outside of the grassed area at, at the grounds. Mike Fuda, who was with me, you know, told me a lot of things about my morning jacket. You know, I wasn't going anywhere. We watched them and they absolutely blew me away. Um, it was such, I mean, it was, it's probably the most memorable, one of the most memorable concert moments I've ever had. Certainly the most memorable jazz fest moment I've ever had. But oddly enough, I've never really gotten into my morning jacket as a recording artist. Like I don't own any of their albums. I, I don't routinely listen to them on Spotify outside of the set, the playlists that I've created um you know of the sets that i've seen them play but i just there there there's something about their studio recordings and i liken it to i don't know if the the grateful dead's a good comparison cuz i don't really listen to them at all um but you know similar to i think the way the dave matthews band sort of seems to impact people right like you don't really I don't really get the sense that people like carry around the Dave Matthews catalog in their CD holder, right? And constantly listen to it in their car. But but there's this aura about the live performances that happen. And they're one of those kinds of bands. The way they deliver the music, the way they their sound is, the, the, the dynamics that they communicate live are absolutely phenomenal and, and may be second to none. The, the band has had some personnel changes, but I think they've pretty much been the same band since 2004. They are spectacular. So, you know, it's funny, Mike Zorzi, who was with me, like three songs into it, he like showed me the set list that he was following from set list or set, whatever that site is called, um, mm -hmm. uh, set list FM. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of like, is this, is this, the, the songs? they're doing and i'm like dude i don't i don't know any of the names of any of these songs like, <laughs> i just know the songs i know and the, the songs that i don't know are freaking amazing um but they 
so they pl- they played um, a bunch of songs that I do really love. They opened with Circuital, which I love. They played Wordless Chorus. They played one of their newer songs called Feel For You, which is just absolutely tremendous. Um, they played It Beats For You, I'm Amazed. Um, and of course they, uh, they, they played their, um, their, uh, I guess their latest, I guess they just released a single, but the one that that they released just before that, which was regularly scheduled programming, the, the, um, the encore, they came out and played victory dance, which is the first song I've ever seen them play live. So when they came out and did the encore with that, it just like, like crushed me. And then their sort of their mainstay closer is a song called One Big Holiday, which probably is, a, a, I believe, is their most recognizable um, song. And, and that's a perfect example. Like if, if I would send you guys a link to One Big Holiday on Spotify, you'd be like, yeah, this song is really great. But when you experience that song live, like it, it just, it is nothing like the recording. It is, they elevate the songs and the performances so well and it's such an eclectic sort of um sound so you know jim james is the is sort of the the leader of the band he's the lead vocalist the guitarist i think he's the main songwriter um he's got a very unique and and um voice with a, a fabulous head voice and this was only their second show of the tour i think so his voice was just in tip-top prime shape and you know ken you said it the the man I had really no recollection of the Man Music Center at all. I mean, it is a fabulous venue. It's a huge stage. The light show was, I mean, the, even just the light show, it, it could breathe. You know, there was just space to capture all of the the cool things they were doing. I just, the sound for me was tremendous. We remarked how amazing the kick drum was all night long. It had that sort of, it didn't have that disgusting boom that you sometimes associate with live music. It just had a real good punch. And, um, and you know, you know, we were talking about guitar tone earlier. These guys play a lot of Gibsons and they play them through distorted amps and um, overdriven amps. And it, it just, it, it just was a fantastic, um, you know, without a doubt, my my favorite my morning jacket show to date. And um, you know, I, I I'm not gonna say run out and buy all their albums, but I gotta tell you, like if you can if you can see them live, don't miss them. It's great. Okay, I'm looking at um, Last FM for similar artists, and interestingly, it doesn't immediately jump to the jam bands. It suggests bands of Band of Horses, Wilco, mm. um, Spoon, which is very indie, and I've mentioned before, Dr. Dog, The War on Drugs from Philly is is mm-hmm. very indie. Um, uh, and also, I see someone suggesting My Morning Jacket fans would like Umphreys McGee or Widespread Panic. Mm. I, was, I was expecting to see Government Mule on here or even just the Almond Brothers, but I guess it's mm. not that country, is it? I don't think it is that country. Um, there is that, there is a bit of that, mm-hmm. but I think it definitely lends itself. Like I like the widespread prant panic um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. analogy there. Yeah. Okay. Nice, nice, nice. Dual guitar solos or uh, 
Yeah, that's, yeah, they they do some they just do some really great things where they um, and I think that's part of the fun and I think probably what makes them so great live. So Carl Bromel is their is their other guitar player. He also does like pedal steel, and like one of the coolest moments of the night is where where um, you know he puts down the, the the his guitar towards this sort of jam at the end of one song and he pulls out a saxophone, and he um and and just like sweet yeah you know burns on the sax it's it's um it's really great and they do you know they do harmony stuff they do they trade off solos in incredibly uh tasty tasty stuff coming from those guys sweet all right well that's good for i mean i mean i gotta credit you zotter you 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 did you know pop and prog and rock all your life and then and then uh you transitioned with uh i don't know uh when you when you when you became a dedicated bass player in a uh, jam band you, you learned how to jam at a late age and you nailed it dude i guess thanks ken <laughs> yeah well i mean that's kind of the funny part about like that whole jam band thing is it's just a lot more like i don't go out to see a lot of jam bands but um it's really fun to be in one you know <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Wait, what, what do you call it? Remind me here. I've been to see you already. Uh, uh, green eggs and jam. Green eggs and jam, people. Come on. Come down yeah. to uh, Southern PA or Delaware and get your green eggs and jam. Yeah. That's right. I saw you in a rib house. That was perfect. Oh, uh, yeah. I love playing at that place. It's barbecue and bourbon and green eggs and jam. Yum. Mm -hmm. We do Texas better than Texas, Joe. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you guys have had some, some great uh, concert experiences here in the in the last week and i think we alluded to it a little earlier on earlier this year we had seen total mass retain and there were actually there are two lost episodes that we we recorded around that concert that just fell off the radar and never wow. got edited or released but uh i think you know post pandemic that's it i, I think that's all we've seen so and and just to sort of frame that out, Total Mass Retain was the last shows that we saw before the pandemic. Right. We saw them twice in two months, as I recall, at the beginning of, of 2019. And then the world ended. And then we they came to the Kennett Flash in June. It was Father's Day weekend. In fact, it turned out to be Father's Day because of some weather issues. And the palaver was there. And that was... That's the only show I've seen. And then you guys have seen these other two. So, mm -hmm. yeah. We know you have something up your sleeve, Joe. You have Roger Waters tickets. I do, but that's not until October of next year. Jesus. Holy shit. All right. Then we'll talk about the Genesis tickets. That's right. Uh, you do have the Genesis tickets. So, that's right. I paid exorbitant amounts of money for tickets on not one. Two nights in Philadelphia in oh early my December. Oh, God. So, You're going to watch that twice. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, there, it, was, it, was, it was a funny little situation, the way it, it turned out, because we had talked about this. Have we talked about it when I was up there in June, right? The idea was that Ken was going to purchase tickets. And I honestly went on... I figured Ken was buying tickets for 
him, me, and, and Barkley. And so I went on to buy tickets merely as an investment, figuring I could unload them. It came to find out that Ken, for whatever reason, wasn't able to buy tickets for the first show. I think it was a Ticketmaster uh, Scroogey, I and, think is the technical term. And, and so I, I, was, I was... The queue was just so long, I gave up and I had to go back to work. I mean, I just had stuff to do. And, and so there I was with, with tickets to the first show, which I think is Thursday night, whatever it is. And so I said, Ken, you know, if you can work it out so so Barkley won't hate you, you can go with me. And he was kind of like, eh, I don't know. And then they, they offered up the second show. And so I ended up scoring three tickets to that show wow. so that Ken Barkley and I could go. And then, Paul, I tried to talk you into the first show, but you weren't buying it. Nope. And so, uh, so my buddy who moved up to New Jersey, he, uh, he agreed to, uh, to take that extra ticket off my, my hands. So nice. I mean, you gotta understand the level of me not having any desire to see this show to pass up time with my good friends. <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, I mean, right? you know, I, so, so friend of the palaver, Ken Fuller sent us some links in just last week, I think it was, and there was there was some sort of an interview. I didn't watch it, but there was a clip that I did see that honestly filled me with all sorts of foreboding with regards to this show. But um, it's one of those things. I when else are you going to have the opportunity? I have to accept that this is not going to be you know the heyday of 1983. It's it is going to be what it's going to be, and this is likely my last opportunity. And we spent so much time talking about Genesis mm-hmm. that you know that was enough to sort of propel me to to fork out this kind of dough and to see them not once but twice. Throwing it all away, huh? Throwing it all away. Wow. Now Ken Fuller is in the Paul Zotter camp, correct? Of not going to see this that is correct ken fuller is going to see what the musical box sure sure you know a couple weeks before that show maybe just as satisfying maybe just as satisfying but be interesting to 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 see and i think one of those links that ken sent at one point in time was the the uh is it a updated uh compilation cd that they're they're putting out the last domino, something like that. Something like that, yeah. And I'm not—I yeah. haven't looked into that because when we were doing the segment on the palaver about Genesis, I—I I bought, I think, two very large, very comprehensive Genesis compilations, and wow. so I'm pretty satisfied at this point. I think by the time they get to Philadelphia, I'll have enough set list FM sets that I can reproduce the set at my house while you guys are at the show and then and we can we can come together after the show and compare notes. I think. Well, Paul, you are on the hook for palavering after these shows. Perfect. So perfect. Now Ken, are 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 you and Barkley going to be open to palavering after the Friday night show? Or does Barkley not do that? <laughs> or <laughs> <laughs> uh, TBD. Okay. 
Well, the the invitation is open. I think it would be it would be wonderful to have a fresh perspective, but you know, we'll see. I, I'm now sad that I don't have musical box tickets. I see it's the 27th at the Keswick Theater. I did. I, I have already seen the musical box at the Keswick Theater. And, and they're calling this a Genesis extravaganza volume two. So they used to recreate. And, yeah. And they used to recreate entire albums and whatnot. And now I think they've been doing this for so many years. They're just designing their own sets as they love them and calling them extravaganza. Nice. Which, which, which may include an entire album side, but doesn't necessarily have to. Okay. Oh, you know, when I saw them, um, the Canadian guy, the uh, the Genesis instrumental guy, played drums, and he was amazing. But I think they're back to their original lineup. Um, yeah, I would, I would, I would love to see the, the musical box again. It just had so much on my radar. And, and friends of the Palaver uh, Echoes, Bill uh, Sweezy, is uh, playing, and I have tickets on the nineteenth uh, of November. I think, yeah. Yeah, to see them at the World Cafe Live. So my, 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 my schedule is filling up, and I did not commit to the musical box. It's tough schedules that we have. I'd like to switch gears at this point into the mailbag, if that's okay. <laughs> yes. With the pandemic happening last year and some you know personal and professional upheaval in my own life throughout the first part of 2021, I, I'll be quite frank with you. I haven't really paid attention to anything that we've had going on. So I don't I don't know when the last time I logged on to Twitter, for instance, was. And so I've been looking at it while we've been here. And quite frankly, there's some some tasty nuggets on here that I want to share. Wow. <laughs> wait, 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 nice. Joe, 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 you are a faithful steward of the mail and you will screenshot mail that we get of significance and share it with the group. That's correct. OK, OK. It's just the, the, the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Instagrams are not in your weekly digest of information. They are not. I never go onto Facebook. I never go onto my own Facebook, much less the Palavras Facebook. Um, I tried to, to foist the Twitter account onto Paul, but he refused to take it. And yes, so, did I? <laughs> yes. I don't remember that. You did. You, you, you refused several times. Oh, well, I, you know, you were doing such a good job at Twitter, but I might reconsider that now since you're, since, uh, yeah, I'm cause just, I'm on, I'm, I'm on Twitter more often than I, than I used to be. So I, I'm terrible, but maybe I'll, maybe and, I'll do better now. Cause I, and I, and I always want to post, uh, or tag progressive plaver on my Twitter comments, but then I know they'll never be seen. So I just don't bother. Well, that just makes me feel <laughs> sad, but uh, just, just looking at this, right? So I, I logged in and went back to September of 2020, the last time we did this. And I have to say that that Jerry McDermott has said some very nice things about us on Twitter, which makes oh, me cool. makes me feel warm and fuzzy and makes me feel really bad that I'm, I haven't been on Twitter in a really long time. Well, he does fantastic work himself. Yeah, yeah. Continue. I'm, I want to see what which, which parts of it you're catching. So, so he gives us tremendous credit. I guess, uh, you know, about that time we had done our top 10 Marillion albums and he gave us multiple props on that, claiming that, quote, they know their stuff when it comes to Marillion, which is very nice to hear. Very nice. He called out our attention to the Between You and Me podcast when it first came onto the scene. Very nice. 
Alan Begg also checked in on Between You and Me at that time. Yeah, a quick word for them. Between You and Me, husband and wife, uh, Paul, and I forget her name, but wonderful work. Sanya. Sanya. Yep. Yep. And, and, and I mean, clearly they have been, or Paul himself has been a diehard going back earlier than all three of us put together. And it's, it's interesting the nuggets that he will pull out of his wealth of uh, Merlian lore. His lore is exceptional. Um, about the same time, there was a, a Brian Hamill, and this, this, this one warms my heart. He says, looking forward to listening to all three of the original Asia episodes. I just really love Omega and your comment about the, quote, most un-Steve Howe thing, end quote, ever on the first song, which is, is something that I made a big production out of. So that was, uh, was kind of nice. Excellent. Mad Barchetta pointed out that if we wanted uh, progressive Christmas music, he had a prog mag had put out a almost two hour set list of Christmas music, which was fun. So maybe we'll have to play that this Christmas. Jerry McDermott came back uh, pointing us to an article on the much maligned, but still one of his favorite albums. And the article is called Pink Floyd. Um, how Pink Floyd made the final cut and learned to hate each other. That's always nice. <laughs> Elias of Holmesdale wished us a happy new year and said that they love listening to our podcast. So when we announced that we were going to start 2021 by doing our Fishmar revisit, Alan Begg claimed that that's much more like it, hashtag worthy. So he was huh. very, very excited by that. Now, let me reveal, um, there was a fish episode without me where you guys speculated as to my motives. And, and, and you said Ken was just trying to get out of the fish. And, th and that was entirely right on. Um, <laughs> but but I did it for a reason, because our fourth member, Tom, is, uh, you know, a professional audio pr producer, mixer and recorder. And uh, when he's on set with a film or a TV show, he cannot be here. And uh, we came up with a schedule that would allow him to participate for the fish stuff primarily. And when he wasn't here, we would do the Peter Gabriel stuff. It wasn't a perfect match, but I, I, I thought it gave us exactly the flexibility we needed given his schedule. That's true. And we're still making nice. use of that flexibility today, as a matter of fact, <laughs> as, as we it work to, uh, to finish up. The uh, the fish and Peter Gabriel. So that's very cool. Jared McDermott came back um, disputing my my despising the song Margaret. Um, he says he was just listening to it and still loving it after all these years. Between you and me, had we had a little back and forth. Because if you recall, and I described this, I think, in one of our episodes, when I started listening to that, uh, that podcast, it, it just so happened that I would listen to their episode immediately after I finished editing our episode on whatever Fishmar album it was. And it was really fun because all of our thoughts were fresh in my mind. And then I would listen to their thoughts and obviously filled in with, with Paul's lore. And so I, I tweeted something out about, you know, it was cool that we had, you know, we could have different views of the same album. And Paul replied, it's great that the band is diverse and complex enough that we can all come at it differently, which is very cool. I just found a really good nugget 
uh, from Jerry McDermott back in October 2020, talking about Between You and Me podcast. He said that they have taken the same turn as Palaver did with The Wall in their misplaced childhood edition. <laughs> they had two episodes and have only got to the end of side one of the album. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty as charged. Yes. Oh, yes. boy. Oh, what a great nugget. That is mm. funny. Steve, who is above EG, maybe? Something like that? Says it back in, in March that he was... So British Prog Rock had tweeted that they were playing Wind and Wuthering a particular evening. And Steve replied that he's he had just been listening to the excellent at Prague Pala podcast episode where they go through the album track by track. Top stuff, says Steve. So that's very nice. Thank you, Steve. And and then Steve, I guess I replied to him because he came back and said, no, thank you. Really enjoy listening in on your conversations with musical insights, opinions, and occasional LOL humor. Have worked through so far, yes, Genesis and Rush. On Dark Side 1 at the moment. Can't help listening to that album without Radiohead's OK Computer coming to mind. As hmm. for me, it's maybe the most almost perfect album released since then. And one I think fans of Prague could very much appreciate. I'd be interested to hear a discussion on it, but appreciate you might feel it outside your remit. And I would huh. agree with that. But, oh, you know, Radiohead pops up, you know, fairly regularly in conversations. So uh, I, I, I'm not at all surprised to hear that. <laughs> yeah, and OK Computer, I feel like, is heralded as the, perhaps, maybe it's not the most proggy of Radiohead albums, but I feel like, you know, whenever I hear about Radiohead in the prog vein, uh, it's OK Computer. Moving into April, uh, Peter Hilton apparently mm. was listening to some stuff, and he basically put out... I don't know if you'd call it a challenge. And my guess is that they probably already addressed this. But to us and the Yes Music podcast, can you revisit this and do a compare and contrast with Heaven and Earth and Ark of Life? I know which parallel universe Oof. I prefer. Oh, mm. my. That is a challenge. Mm. I don't think I saw that one. I, I mean, it's it's not even a question for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And parents do not pick favorite children. That's true. There was a very interesting reply to that, however. Henry Potts, Henry Potts came back saying, I think that would make for an interesting comparison, but they're not really parallel. From a page is an alternate universe to fly from here. Now, that wow. is something I can get on board with. That would be interesting. I, I think it's, a, it's important to um, point out Peter Hilton has dedicated a great amount of time in this past year to creating playlists from every year of his musical life. And I want to say that it was inspired by our Desert Album episode. Really? Where we examined four records, I believe, from 1984. And um, he began playlists. And um, I have enjoyed following his playlists. And, and Peter Hilton is, has a very private, if you will, a Facebook presence, which is perfect, and feel honored to be a part of it. And he posts these playlists on Spotify, and I follow, I think, all of them. And um, 
they examine his life each year and the songs that are of uh, great import to him. And it has been a really fun journey to, uh, to follow along on Spotify. So you can, um, you can search up Peter Hilton on Spotify and follow his, um, his playlists. And I will say that I believe the progressive palaver theme made one of his playlists as he rounded out his more recent years. Excellent. Oh, that was a nice little addition. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. So in May, and we're still on on Twitter here, are, are, I'm, I'm becoming more embarrassed by every passing moment. Jerry McDermott pops back up, listing his current top three podcasts. Rockin' Tours, This Is Our Everest, and Progressive Palaver. Wow. Oh, that feels good. Hey, we, we were the number eight uh, progressive rock music podcast. You know, well, Paul, I, I totally forgot fun. about that. that. That's right. We did. We did make that list. He did call us out on our lore in September of just a couple weeks ago. Well, he's certainly not the first to have done that. He says, just listened to your Vigil in a Wilderness of Mirrors episode, a fair assessment of that album. I can't believe you missed out Mark Kelly on the album cover and the subsequent fallout. Also good to hear at BM Pod getting a couple of mentions. Cannot have enough pro-Merlian podcasts, I say. I may not even remember the Vigil podcast. I may not even remember it. You weren't particularly enamored. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. The big wedge. Big wedge. Big wedge. Um, maybe we would have broken the top five progressive rock podcasts if we didn't take like four months off every year. <laughs> <laughs> and then I mean, we came into 2021. We did come into 2021 like a lion. We didn't were we? blistering. We, we started we, like the first two weeks of 2021. We had like 15 hours of podcasts, didn't we? Pretty quickly. Yeah, because we had we had released episode 100 just in time for New Year's, if I recall, mm-hmm. and we had the the Fish Mars lined up, and we had a bunch of bonus episodes. We had we had lots of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then, like I said, you know, I a lot of that just comes from from the fallout of my situation. I just didn't have the bandwidth to to keep sure. up, and so sometimes sometimes we all need a break. Yeah, and. uh and, you know, those situations are often very good. It's been a good year. Cheers. And then our, our Twitter feed fi- finishes up with, with Jerry McDermott again, giving applause to you, Paul. Great to hear brand new music from one of my musical buddies from ah. Little Pond. And at Prague Paula Mainstay, at Paul Zotter Rocks. Sounding good, my friend. That was very nice. Yeah. Appreciate that. So... So that was uh, that was the Twitter feed for the last year, and there's there's actually more in the the email that it would probably take us an, an hour to go through, and so Ooh. unfortunately we're going to skip some of that. But we could we could just subcategorize that email probably as the Jonette episode. Yes, I think, right. Most of that is Jonette. Yes, she was she was very diligent about providing all sorts of, of feedback and insights after each one of our episodes. But, yeah. and I recall this because this happened, it was probably a week or two after you and I recorded the last mailbag episode, Paul, in September of last year. I opened the email to see an email from none other than Preston Frazier. Ah, 
Wonderful. Yeah. And uh, I was surprised. He said, uh, I'm exploring your podcasting, enjoying it. Thanks. And then, like the review of The Division Bell, wearing the inside out is brilliant. It's a welcome return of Rick Wright. And then, of course, he calls us out on our lore, indicating that Nick Mason did not play drums at all on a momentary lapse of reason. Fair so, enough. Which so is true. Did we not? Did we? Did we not know that when we did that episode? We didn't know that. I, I, huh. I was under the impression, honestly, that he didn't play much, but I wasn't under the impression that he <laughs> didn't play at all. Well, having been such a presence on the tour, it was easy as fans for us to assume that he did something on the album. His picture was there. His picture was on the album too. Yeah, so that there you go. That sort of tricked us. But it's fun. It's funny now because hearing hearing that, I'm thinking, how do we not know that? Because you know, how did we not know that? But I guess I guess we learned it along along the way. So that's cool. Yeah, Preston's a cool dude. It's nice that, nice that he's on, on the palaver train. So David Bierman followed up, um, talking about our our live wall episode, and points us to um, download scans of the Pink Floyd tour programs. Very very cool. Nice. Lots of Jonette. Lots of Jonette. Oh yeah, we've got some good David Bierman on. Uh, I believe it's him on Facebook. He he was the one recently who was um he uh recently was listening to the exile internal exile episode and mm. i think he was um i think he was let down disappointed that we didn't discuss the poet's moon which i guess was the b-side to the credo single mm-hmm. well david bierman also handed us our hat on the milo episode correct oh was he that, the one who handed he, as he's... did as did many as did many <laughs> <laughs> Yes, indeed. Yeah, but I think he also brought up the Just Good Friends and the Ying and Yang compilation, which I thought we covered in the episode. But well, maybe I, he I, just was one. Yeah, he I, was wondering if we were going to cover it, and then we did. I think in the episode. So okay. Yeah. Well, and, and, well, and well, let's. I, I've read. I've I've interpreted that that post several different ways over the course of several different hours, and I. Th- I, I almost think the request was for us to consider and do episodes on yin and yang. Ah, uh, maybe that's what it was. Yeah. That's where I wound up. Yeah, let, let, let's cover this from David uh, regarding uh, fish. Hey, guys, just listen to your Internal Exile episode. Enjoyed the discussion. It's probably my favorite fish album with Shadowplay being my favorite fish song. I was, however, a little let down that you didn't discuss A Poet's Moon, which was a B-side on the Kratos single. I find the song to be an outstanding number that should have been on the album. Give it a listen. I was wondering if anyone was going to bring up the fact that Just Good Friends came off the yin and yang compilation set. Fish recorded a bunch of songs for that release, including Kaylee, Lavender, Incubus, Sugar Mice, Punch and Judy, and recorded Institution Waltz, a song that was originally written and played in the very early days of Marillion prior to script. Keep up the good work. Looking forward to continuing the journey of Fish and Peter Gabriel. So we 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 did cover this in our private chat, and Tom, our number one Fish fan, weighed in that he was not particularly interested in Ying and Yang. Mostly not interested in hearing Fish re-recordings of Marillion songs. Strangely. Mm. All right. So that's an expectations where uh, mm-hmm. we we know how we like it. We've got it burned into our 
psyche into our brains. And uh, yeah, those subtle differences may not may not necessarily go down very well. Well, I, for one, agree with David Bierman. You know, actually, it's funny. I don't, maybe not. I was going to say I would agree with him that Internal Exile is my favorite Fish album, but that may not be the case anymore. You know, it's it's so funny listening when I was editing that because, you know, that whole that whole episode started out with with me, you know, calling out the fact that I didn't use the hyperbole. And then Tom really kind of crapped all over that idea. Mm. You weren't really on board. And I all I could think of as I was editing it was the string of episodes that we did for sunsets, rain gods with zippos, and Fellini days, which just ended up frying all of our brains. Right. So I, I think at the end of all of this, we're going to have to force rank fish albums. I think we're we gonna have to. have to. We have to. Because oh my god, I think that I I at some point in time I he, I have to come to a reckoning to determine whether my favorite fish album is Rain Gods with Zippos or Fellini Days. Right? How could I have ever imagined <laughs> I would ever say that? We didn't even know those albums <laughs> six months ago. <laughs> wow. I, I, I was on someone else's mailbag. Um, I can't. I think it was a Toad the Wet Spocket group on um, Facebook, who, by the way, has a new album out in our touring, just in case anyone's curious. They do? Really? Yes. Oh, new man. album touring if you if uh, there's one reason to be on facebook these days joe it's to uh, enjoy the toad the wet sprock music appreciation society okay and all of the posts of their live shows uh, somebody brought to uh that one of the fit the toad the wet sprocket covers is like from uh some kind of fellini cover of movie poster or something like that and uh there were a whole bunch of comments talking about oh i never noticed that oh that's cool and I just commented, so Fellini. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about that, it reminds me very recently, actually, in the email, I got uh, we got an email from a friend of the Palaver, Alan Hayworth, asking ah. me if I was going to go see the King's X show at Trees in Dallas in the near future. However, that is also on a Friday evening, so I will not wow. be attending. That's uh, amazing that I didn't know they had anything scheduled. Yeah. Wow. Ah, you are a model parent. You know what? I, 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 I've got one for you, Paul. This goes back to January 2021. And Blair asks, where can I see the show notes from your podcast? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And just for the I, benefit. I, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like some of our mailbag is uh, is lacking because I think show notes were some of the, the most uh, popular places for people to put their comments. So the show notes had migrated to a WordPress site, which I, you know, I spent a lot of time updating and I felt like they were in pretty good shape. But it turns out that, you know, putting a link to another website to say here are the show notes does not seem to attract a lot of traffic. So I think, you know, now that we're, we're starting to publish more of these fish uh, episodes again, and Peter Gabriel, I think I am going to simply uh, create a show note page, not a page, a show note post on Facebook and just put all the links into the comments of, of those posts 
so that um you know we can have that discussion there and and share the the tidbits that we come up with because um there just doesn't seem to be a lot of traffic to the WordPress and um it's a heck of a lot more work than just posting it in a notes page like we used to on Facebook. So one more last time, I'll give the bird to Facebook for taking away the notes pages. But mm-hmm. I think uh, moving forward, the notes will just stay on Facebook in a separate post for each episode, as long as everyone here agrees that that, that is okay. Here, here. Here, here. Joe, while you're, while you're at it in that room, yep. can you just say hi there? Hi there. <laughs> yeah, I've got to, I still have to do something with uh, with this house in general and this room in particular, since this will be my my satellite studio room. Returning back to the email, and and, and this one I feel really bad about. So back in November, a really good friend of the Palaver, Dan Sherman, reached out to us and um, he said, hey, if you want to do something at the end, like with Dave Kirshner force ranking the Star Wars movies, I do have my top 10 yes songs you guys did a few months ago and I haven't posted yet. There are some surprises. So I feel bad about mm. that. Mm. That's, a, that's a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of my favorite um was that 2021 or 2020 it's been a while now but um yeah that that was one of my favorite episodes personally i got to edit that i got to play a snippet of guitar and i got to read a dramatic reading of uh dan's review yeah that was great oh yeah that's right that's right i mean i mean given you know all that I need to do professionally and 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 in my hobbies. Uh, I don't have time for that, but that is kind of my true ethos. When I when I'm creative, I I like to go down a rabbit hole, and that, and that brought out kind of more of the 13 year old Ken. That was great. Here's here's a, a very interesting email that that I found, and this this normally would never make it onto the podcast, but you guys remember at the end of 2020 when. We were releasing our Pink Floyd episodes, and we were doing remarkably well in Scandinavian countries. I do remember that. Like, oddly well. So, I hadn't even noticed this until just now. It's it's from Carlos. And the, the title of the email, or the subject of the email is, Progressive Palaver is ranking very well in Norway. Hello, how's it going? Hope all is well. I have some cool information that might interest you. Your podcast, Progressive Palaver, has good performance in some rankings last 30 days. Position 46 in the category Music in Norway and Position 243 in the category Music in Sweden. This data provided by podstatus.com. Happy podcasting. So huh. that's a... <laughs> it, it's, you know, it. it's obviously, you know, a, a, a spam advertising email of course but of course it it, the reason i I read that was because we were just fixated i recall at the time on how well we were doing in in sweden and it was it was very noticeable and very odd like we hit some sort of of national pink floyd nerve in sweden at the end of 2020 which was very very cool it seemed like it did unfortunately for who was it carlos is that his name yes a very common swedish name um (laughs) Uh, Carlos did not realize that we only pay attention to top 10 rankings That's uh, right. for, our, for our podcast. 
All right. Lots more. A boom. While you're searching, I'm going to share another another little tidbit with one of our friends of the Palaver. Uh, a friend of the Palaver that goes by his Facebook pseudonym, Bodkin Van Horn. Ooh, Bodkin. In the yeah. UK. So, Bodkin has been a uh, listener from, from our past mailback episodes. He uh, was not a fan of Phil Genesis Collins. He uh, called us out, not so much calling us out on our lure, but he helped us understand, I think, some of the cultural background of some Marillion and fish references from our early Marillion podcast when we first went through uh, those days. Uh, I remember he somewhat schooled me on my um, Uzis on a street corner fixation that I had and uh, helped me understand some of the cultural uh, happenings going on there. But Bodkin is a not just a prog fan, but a punk fan. And in the uh, you know the last 18 months, as the world has gone through the changes that it's gone through, he began recording music again and has now released several items on Spotify and streaming services under the artist title Fast Cars, Old and New. Indeed. Really? Okay. Yeah. So if you like the indie sort of punk, uh, and and he you know he might shudder to hear me say punk. I feel like there's some punk in there, but um, indie sort of uh, English in a very good way type of uh music check out fast cars old and new on spotify cool yeah i remember hearing some uh really fun guitar riffs and some odd time and just mm -hmm. just a good vibe maybe a little king crimson-ish math rock influence good stuff in january Ryan Anthony reached out to us with mild squawks about force ranking Floyd covers episode. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'll take credit for being called to the mat for my complaints about Omagoma. There were some mild complaints about the cover of Omagoma repeating a photo of the band four times. Take a closer look. Those are not one, but four photos. Each member gets his chance to answer yo to the question, which one's pink? or at least sit in the foreground. Hmm. And in the in a discussion of metal, one of you said, quote, generally, whenever ears are featured on album covers, it's a disaster, or words to that effect. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly can't remember if it was Paul or Tom. I, 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 I He's could, not wrong. I, I could see either one of them. But he does say, one exception which comes immediately to mind is Styx's Pieces of Eight, Miniature Eastern Island Moai-style mm. figures dangling from the ears of three comely women, one young, one middle-aged, and one with the hair color of mine. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's it, a good call-out. It, it is excellent call-out. Then we had um, round, and it must have been, again, we must have hit some nerve because in January we had some, some new folks. So we had Blair Bowers uh, reach out saying how much they were enjoying our podcast. Genesis fan since 1982. Um, started with Duke and went forward to We Can't Dance, then backwards from Duke and just heard Foxtrot. Three of my favorites. Yeah. He says, uh, thanks again for these. You guys do a very good job. I really enjoy your commentary as musicians and fans. So thank you, Blair. 
Steve Swiger? You know, yes. Yeah. Um, Blair, I believe it's the same Blair. Um, all right. Uh, knowing that you guys are big fans of Duke, if you haven't heard the live recording of the 1980 May 25th Duke tour show at the Roxy, it's well worth it. Apparently, this is legend. And, and, and you know, here in the Palaver, we concentrate on studio albums. We're not uh, big into live recordings or, or, or this level of uh, file sharing. But uh, his, his props for this particular set list is just incredible. It was recorded by Mike Millard, who made some excellent live recordings. This one is so good as they do a full show in the relatively small Roxy Theater in the midst of the Duke tour. So I, I bet that is incredible. And 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 if if there was one album we all agree on uh, lately, uh, Duke is is definitely on the list. And I remember wrapping Christmas gifts on Christmas Eve, just this past year, watching um, a video from that tour. I don't think it was that same show on YouTube. Yeah, but, I've, um, I've, I've seen so some good. clips from that tour, and it is phenomenal. So good, they were yeah. they were on fire. Absolutely. Yeah, that was that was that was hot. And and nice. we we have threatened, although we haven't done it yet, but we have threatened a a seminal live album episode. We have to do that. Yeah, seconds yeah. out, exit stage left. Yes, songs, and I forget the fourth one. Oh my gosh, Joe! How can you forget the fourth one? Peter Gabriel plays live. Oh, Peter Gabriel plays live. <laughs> of course. Wait, wait, wait! You got to throw in a Floyd. I don't think you. No, do. I don't think we do. <laughs> what if Durga's on it? <laughs> shout out to shout out to Durga, but it, I mean, all of those are what pre nineteen eighty five. The hmm. really interesting Floyd. Live albums didn't come out until after that. Yeah, and I think the premise around that was that those were albums that they were gateway many, albums. They were gateway albums to the bands themselves. Which, yeah, yeah. Okay, legit. Back in January, Steve Swigert reached out. Now, see if you guys catch this one. This is this is a well written email. I absolutely love your podcast, as I'm a lifelong Prague fan. I would love to hear you guys cover the Kansas catalog, oh. as I believe they are the most influential and unique American prog band. That could which be I true. Will not argue. Thanks for carrying on, Steve. Nice. Yeah, Car did carrying there. on. Yeah. The only American band better than Kansas are the Tubes. Huh. I can't wow. believe I got you guys to actually say that the Tubes are prog. That is awesome. I feel like I have accomplished something this year. Mm. <laughs> And then also in January, Jamie Johnson reached out to us. I am a Brit based in Stockholm, Sweden, 43, so about your age, I presume. I stumbled across your show after seeing Youngster. you had reviewed all the Rush and Marillion albums, so I thought this could be good. You've done a great job and certainly have enjoyed all the reviews. Only issues I had was Vapor Trails, Sheer Fire and Fast Paced Anger is a great album, and hmm. Hold Your Fire will always be bottom of Rush's pile, despite oh. having good songs on it, in my humble opinion, of course. Mm. Mm. I okay. still have Hold Your Fire. Wow. That's not too... I mean, Hold Your Fire gets beat up a lot in in circles, but you rarely hear it being put below Vapor Trails. I'll just say that. You know what? Tough times demand tough talk. Well done. 
And yeah, what happened in February, Joe? Well, let's see what happens in February. I mean, it's you know, September you, now. We've got a long you, way to go through these emails. <laughs> it's it's going to taper off. But there was, still in January, there was a very pivotal and exciting moment for the Palaver. Progressive Palaver was finally approved to be on Pandora. Ah, see? Which was something we had worked months well, it didn't work. We just waited maybe, for them to get through their stuff. Maybe that was what the thing about Sweden was. Maybe Pandora broke us through the Sweden, the Swedish barrier. Maybe that's what it was. Scandinavian border. At the end of January, uh, Tanya Wyman reached out to us. I was thrilled that Joe chose Jeff Buckley for the albums we would not normally cover on the Palaver list. I'm good friends with Gary Lucas. Jeff was... Um, was in his band Gods and Monsters for a bit mm. and he wrote the music for the songs Grace and Mojo Pin and plays on those tracks on Jeff al- mm. Jeff's album um, although I certainly wouldn't consider any of Jeff's songs quote prog he was definitely a fan of the genre and his cover of Back in NYC from sketches for my sweetheart The Drunk is one of the most stunning things I've ever heard that's goes, cool goes on yeah that's that's pretty amazing right there and then goes on to speak a lot about our Marillion episodes. And, oh, speaking of punting and garden party, the reason for the cucumbers is the subtitle of the song is The Great Cucumber Massacre, which I believe alludes to the number of cucumbers needed for the tea sandwiches. Ah. Mm. Finally. (laughs) Finally we know. Ah, the dumb Americans we are. Ken Fuller sent us a set list from Clutching at Straws show, Dan Sherman in February showed up and um, encourages us to do Kansas and offers to step in if none of you want to do it with me. <laughs> <laughs> Jonette weighs in with two emails on the Mandal- three emails on the Mandalorian, covers our by the numbers episode. Preston Frazier uh, reaches out to us again in regards to, um, yes, part 18, Heaven and Earth. Mm -hmm. Gentlemen, thanks for the excellent song-by-song look at Heaven and Earth. I was going through past episodes and found it. Despite what Kevin and Mark have said on the YMP, the album is a worthy addition to the Yes canon. Mm -hmm. Nice. Brian Costello is from Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, where to start? I listen to you via Spotify. I subscribe to about 25 podcasts, but yours is only one of two, maybe three, that I listen to religiously and never miss. Hmm. What I like about your podcast is it does not sound like the usual ranting of a podcast. I feel like I am sitting in on the conversation and discussion with you. That's fine, but I want to chime in a lot of times. (laughs) (laughs) We love that. So I was really fired up when I saw you were doing Peter Gabriel. Just a few thoughts. I do not think Car and Scratch have aged well. Upon re-listening, it really seems Peter ah. was going through some growing. Um, Bob Ezrin is notorious for having his people he would bring in to do studio things he wanted, which we uh, agree with that. He bags a little bit on uh, Bor- the Burgermeister. It's a very long email. A lot of this stuff. To me, Melt is like a Greatest Hits LP. That and Vienna by Ultravox are my favorite, favest of 1980, as well as Drama by Yes. Interesting. Mm. 
So yours in allegiance, uh, Brian Costello. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, Tanya's back. Here comes the flood. Hi, Palavers. Another great episode on Peter Gabriel's car regarding Here Comes the Flood. My favorite version of this song is the one from Robert Fripp's Exposure album, which you referenced in the podcast, but it seems no one had heard. Please, please, please listen to this one, especially with the incredible water music intro. So there you go. I think that's pretty much going to do it. Now, I went... um Way back to uh, December. And Dave oh, Steiner, wait. I want to get the name of this band right. Um, Dave Steiner recommended King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, and that was just a fantastic time for me. I don't think it's neo-prog. I, I, I think it's maybe neo-math-rock prog. But, 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 but um, I really, really enjoyed the odd timings and the stylings of King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard and 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 that whole period, um, the waning of the quarantine days um, when we were starting to 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 uh, get a lot of good music from people that we know. Um, you know, McStein Minimum Minimum was was very productive during this whole quarantine periods, and so many bands were good. And, and Paul, you sent me a, a ton of newer bands that really worked out really well in this last year i'm trying to find the playlist i put king gizzard lizard wizard in a fantastic neo prog math rock playlist and i just can't effing find it mm. so well, ken you had another one joe while ken's looking yeah so in in may raymond deaton reached out to us Recently discovered your podcast and I'm enjoying it very much. I've rediscovered Marillion and King's X due to your discussions. Wow. Very cool. He goes on to say that he discovered Marillion in 1983, uh, had the first three albums, then lost touch with them. But after listening to us um, all the way through episode 24, um, he's been listening to the other albums. He discovered the uh, discovered Toad, rediscovered Toad the Wet Sprocket and was recreating the set list from the concert that I spoke about. Here's an interesting aspect, though. He says, My intro to Yes was 90125, then Topographic Oceans, and was hooked because of the diversity of those two albums. Mm. Yeah, those are pretty diverse. <laughs> mm -hmm. He then goes on to uh, encourage us to cover uh, his favorite prog band, Kansas. Uh, I see a theme coming through here. Yeah. It, wow. It does. There was, and it was, and I had forgotten about that, but I do remember, you know, in the first half of this year, there was a, this sort of ground swell of support for us to do Kansas. And I think because I had made comment to the fact that no one wanted to do Kansas. And huh. so there you go. I feel like, I feel like we've committed to doing Kansas. We've just got a lot of other things that keep popping up in our way to do it yeah yeah and and we'll we i think we will get there i think we we got everyone to sort of agree to that but that um that's cool. what i've got for the mailbag so that's that's a mm. year's worth of correspondence more or less obviously apologies to to jonette who wrote many many very detailed emails that given the uh, the the length of time that we've taken to do this we just haven't gotten yeah to. I'll say a quick shout out to Jonette, though, because as some may or may not know, Jonette is uh, the guitar player from Green Eggs and Jam's mother-in-law. So Tim Mudgett. Ah. Uh, uh, Jonette is his mother-in-law. And so I do see her frequently at gigs. 
and uh, one of her emails, or maybe it, was, it may have been a message. I don't know if it was in the email or if it was a message. I think it was an email where she said it that at the she finally, uh, after one of our podcasts, read the dark t- or uh, read um, yes. the gunslinger. And at the very end of the gunslinger talked about how it says they sat down for palaver. And she was like, is that where you got the name? And I was like, yes. When I saw her, I was like, of Score. course that is. Score. So uh, I can I can just verify that through the course of the last nine months, Jonette has gone through every episode of or every uh, book of the Dark Tower series and has uh, read it to completion to great satisfaction. So I can report that. That is awesome. And, and yes. obviously that is why we have a gunslinger as our, That's as right. our, our avatar. Okay, real, mm-hmm. real quick, I want to talk about some of the things I'm listening to that are not covered on our podcast. Is that okay? Yes, please. Oh, well, right. can I quick finish my list? Yes. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I figured it out. I think Discipline was one of the acts. Definitely Down's Braid Association was hot this past year. Friends of the Palaver recommended both of those. Frost was 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 great this year with uh, their release, Day and Age. That song just, just really, really floats my boat. And Life Signs was brilliantly active this year. And I'm going to leave it at Mark Kelly's Marathon was an amazing surprise. Uh, and, and then, Paul, I'm sure you can juice that up. Well, very cool. I think I might end up... Um, uh, covering some similar ground, but I want to give out. I, I brought some my my visual aids here to help me out. I have really gotten into uh, Fernando Perdomo's "Out at Sea" nice. score. Um, yeah, the first track is "The Architect," which is a tribute to Peter Banks, and um, this is a great album of instrumental tunes. And uh, Paul Whitehead, I believe, is is Fernando's artist for that series. Ah, uh, I think you you could be right. So, Ken, you said it. The uh, the Downs Braid. Braid. I always want to call them the, the the Brigade, but it's the Downs Braid Association. Halcyon Hymns. So I picked this up on beautiful white vinyl, and I have to tell you that I was so amazed and surprised at how much I love uh, this record and how much I listen to it, particularly in the spring. Love Among the Ruins, um, Holding the Heavens, uh, is a uh, love among the ruins is just an incredible guitar uh, Genesis esque guitar and vocal masterpiece. Holding the heavens reminds me of Carpet Crawlers and um, Late Summer and Remembrance are just great tracks off of that record. It's phenomenal. Um, this is long overdue. We spent a lot of time in, in the last couple of years. I spent a lot of time gushing over Dave Kersner's solo work as well as in continuum. But um, on our most recent interview with him around talking about the arc of life, somehow, mm-hmm. for some reason, I finally got around to listening to uh, oh. sound of sound of contact and dimension yep. produced and mixed by uh, Nick Davis. Yep. Um, this album is it's, uh, it's phenomenal. So good. It's stupid. Good. It's stupid good. And, I mean, um, it's it's worthy of being in the greater Genesis catalog mixed in with Mike and the Mechanics and, and Tony's catalog. I mean, it, it's just, it's right up there. It's, I, it's fantastic. I don't disagree. 
uh, one day I was um, flipping through Spotify and I thought I was about to listen to a fish podcast called Fish on Friday and instead uh, stumbled upon their 2020 release, Black Rain, and uh, summarily had my, uh, my head explode. Um, Fish on Friday uh, album, Black Rain, uh, fantastic. And um, it's weird. The vocalist, the one vocalist reminds, reminds me of Michael Gurley from Dada for some reason. Nice, nice. Um, which is completely like not anything like Fish on Friday, but I got to give a shout out. And perhaps my favorite find of 2021 outside of the palaver is Southern Empire. And this is their 2018 release actually called Civilization. And I have to say, oh, I should know his name and it's just escaping me right now. Danny Lopresto is the vocalist. Southern Empire is fucking amazing across the board, instrumentally, songwriting. Um, but I, I had known about Danny Lopresto before because Danny Lopresto, it's an Aussie progressive rock band. And Danny Lopresto f- is featured many times in an Aussie cover band that does covers on YouTube. And um, he does this amazing version of I Can Dream About You from the Streets of Fire soundtrack cover. <laughs> wow. Fucking knocks it out of the park. And, uh, and, and, then I, and then I discovered Southern Empire. And as I listened to it, I was just like uh, completely blown away by the vocalist. And then when I started researching, I put the two together and realized it was the same dude. So I just wanted to share some of those things that um, – that I've been listening to that go outside of our episodes of the Plaver. Paul, you also turned me on to Karma Mechanics. Do you remember that? Oh, I remember yes. that one. Yeah, yeah. It was it. Yeah, it's 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 been a good time. Been a good time. I forget who t- who tipped us off on that. Somebody tipped us off on that. I can't remember who. I think it was someone from the mailbag. We may have missed that. I, I think so. Okay. I guess we're winding down here, but God damn, I, I want to stay up all night listening to this shit. Well, I have, I have one other exciting thing to share with you guys. Oh. And I've been say I've been saving this as a surprise. Okay. okay. One of, one of the more unfortunate things about the, the pandemic of 2020, which has continued into impacting our lives has been the difficulty in receiving materials from overseas. Uh Oh, and you got your magazines. Well, my magazines are, are long gone. <laughs> but I ordered this item so long ago that I actually forgot about it. And then, and then I even saw people posting about it that they received theirs. And it didn't even phase me that I was missing out until just last week. I received my box of <gasps> the answer is yes trivia cards from our friends at the Yes oh, Music Podcast. Awesome. Celebrating their 10-year anniversary. And so I now have a giant stack of yes trivia cards. Um, Sweet. So I, I don't know if there's I know they had talked to us about doing some sort of game episode. There's a whole a uh, game board that you can download that I haven't yet. But um, if it's okay, I would just like to tickle your fancies with um, a couple of trivia questions and see how you guys do. Would that be okay? That would be great. 
because if we suck, I can edit them out. (laughs) There, there you go. There you go. Okay. So the first one is I'm going to go this one. How many yes albums does Trevor Horn appear on, not including compilations? Um, three. I want to say the drama. The, the choices are three, four, five, or six. I'm only aware of three. I mean, I mean, didn't he only do half of Big Generator before they went and mixed elsewhere or something? No, so, I mean, if if we're gonna if we're gonna credit that, it'd be four. Oh, fly from here. Oh, are we count? See, we can we can twist ourselves. Do we count? Do we count fly from here twice? Both? Yeah, we have to count both. So that's five. We've got so drama. we're saying what are we? What are we, drama? Drama nine zero one two five. Big generator. Fly from here. Fly from here. Return trip. Five. So according to the uh, the answer is yes. We're missing one. Six really. Six is the answer. Does it give any indication which one we're missing? It doesn't. <laughs> Did he have anything to do with? talk no i think they'd fallen out by then was was he um oh did he show up on union did he produce any of those tracks uh, he may have been involved with that a little bit we'll go with that okay we'll look into that interesting okay Good question yes next question they're not fooling around over there at the yes music podcast with they the have trivia. 500 episodes in the band yes that, that's right <laughs> Okay, which non-yes musical artist wanted to use Love Will Find a Way before Trevor Rabin pulled the offer and used it instead on Big Generator? Choices. Sting, Celine Dion, Meatloaf, or Stevie Nicks? Stevie Nicks. Boom. Slam dunk. Right off of the uh, Yes Years uh, video. Okay. Hmm. What two members of a famous group inaugurated Yes into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Was it Simon and Garfunkel? Was it (laughs) Ozzy and Osbourne, which is just silly? (laughs) Was it Alex Lyson and Getty Lee? Or was it Ian Gillian and Roger Glover? It was Alex and Getty Getty played. Yeah. Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Just a sampling That's awesome. of what of what awaits us in the the answer is yes trivia game. I don't know exactly. It, we we've probably gone about ninety minutes now, which is a little bit long for a mailbag episode. <laughs> but um, but we covered know, pretty much a year and a half. But so. yeah, when you do it for a year, eh, this is going to happen. Um, I, you know, and and I've got nothing to add, honestly, Paul, because. You know, the, the two things I was going to mention musically outside of the palaver was Fish on Friday and Dimension Knot. And, and I would I would still mention Dimension Knot because literally there have been months long stretches in 2021 where LP1 just stays on my turntable oh, yeah. and I just flip it back and forth oh. and just listen to it nonstop. So it's good. That good. It's it's phenomenal, and and the other thing that I would mention, and I mentioned this to Ken off air before we started, was since I started my current arrangement where I I have a long commute twice a week to my job, so from Fort Worth to College Station and back, 
I've been listening. I start out that drive listening to whatever album we're supposed to be listening to for the palaver. And then I've, I've been listening to the audio versions of the dark tower. I'm, uh. I'm currently, I just finished the wind to the keyhole. So now I'm about to start the wolves of the Kala and uh. um, it's just, you know, brilliant stuff. All right. I found the mystery vocalist. Oh, which, um, who's the mystery vocalist, Ken? That, that, that we gushed over. The singer for Leprous is Einar. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. What, what is his last name? Solberg. Or Solberg Einar. First name Solberg, last name. No, no, no. First name Einar, last name yeah. Solberg. <laughs> but, but, but. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it was tough competition this year. I mean, with with um, Chris Braid and all the wonderful vocalists that we got into, but um, Leprous was very new to me until this year, and and I really enjoyed listening to the Sonic Perspectives uh, interview with Hunter Solberg. Awesome. Here, here, yeah, uh, gentlemen. Thank you for a a fun, lighthearted evening where we covered a wide variety of of topics. As always. You know, many, many heartfelt thanks to our listeners who who follow the podcast, who reach out to us. We know that we're not as good about responding and keeping up as some other podcasts, but we do honestly, um, we read everything and we appreciate it um, and, and we try to incorporate where we can. And we do like to try to catch up. So please, um, you know, continue to engage because we really do enjoy that. And look forward to, you know, finishing out 2021 strong. I think uh, I feel I feel rejuvenated at this point and I'm, I'm having fun, you know, editing these podcasts again and getting them out. We've got a lot in the can waiting and we've got some good stuff that we are going to talk about. So, gentlemen, as always, appreciate it. Cheers. Awesome. Cheers. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you, and we look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We are at ProgPala on all of those, or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is ProgPala, that's P-R-O-G-P-A-L-A, at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcast. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>